You're tuned into the Coin Gamma Podcast, and I'm your host, Fritz Charles. This podcast is about the emerging blockchain and cryptocurrency space. We explore topics that discuss how this emerging technology impacts the world economically, politically, and socially. Every episode is jam-packed with the knowledge you need to know how to leverage this new industry. Whether you want to launch a career in it or you want to become a better investor, this is the place to be. Visit us on CoinGamma.com to sign up for our newsletter. We share all the top blockchain news that you need to know. If you're new to the blockchain, we will walk you through everything you need to know in order to become an expert. Sign up for our webinars where we break down a blockchain-related topic in depth. Again, that's CoinGamma.com. You are about to bear witness, my friends, to one of the greatest technological advances in modern history. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the CoinGamma podcast. Um, where we break down blockchain, cryptocurrency, technology, finance, all the above. Um, we're, you know, this season we're doing uh, something new where we're kind of bringing in some new blockchain experts on uh, to kind of break down projects, break under news, um, and like, you know, offer a different perspective um, than I would give on my own. I think it's very important to kind of get a di- diverse perspectives get very varying opinions because at the end of the day, a market is just a collection of opinions. Um, and so to that end, this episode, we're going to have uh, a special co-host, somebody that is, is pretty locked into the space. Um, I've, I've, I've kind of been following him for, for since I got into space. Um, and you know, he, he, he has a community. He, he, he's, he's really on point. Uh, his name is Steven Eason. Um, he is, you know, crypto is not the only thing he, he does. He has a pretty cool platform called Tacotarians. He's doing some other stuff as well on the crypto side. He has a website called Currency List. Um, I'm not going to do his introduction justice. I'll pass it to um, Stephen, or also known as East. Stephen East, who, who, what should I call you for this podcast? What do you like uh, to go by? You can call me East. It's just a short inversion of my last name. Uh, most of my <laughs> friends call me that too. But I mean, Stephen is absolutely fine. That's my birth name. So that's <laughs> all good. Well, East. Thank you for taking time out of a busy day to um, spend an hour or, or, or so with us. Um, tell us about your background. Let us know, you know, how'd you come across crypto and, uh, you know, we'll take it from there. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on, Fritz. Uh, following you, too, for some time. I like what you do in a space and bring people on and kind of give their perspective on everything that's going on related to cryptos. But, um, yeah, I've been in crypto f- for some time since... Um, I want to say 2012, since Bitcoin was in its infancy and Beautiful. people were just kind of wondering where can it go. But I felt like it always had a value. And um, even as a speculative asset, but even the technology behind it always intrigued me. And someone that's always kind of been into technology, like I've been uh, doing web dev forever. Um, I have a lot of side projects that are in tune with you know vr and droning so whatever new tech is is at the forefront i've always just kind of dove into it at a surface level and just trying to see how it works fundamentally and uh that kind of led me to bitcoin and then i didn't really start investing into it until around the time ethereum started to bubble at right 13 16 is when i really started looking at it as something to invest in Sure, and from sure. there, um, I started mining uh, ETH and then created a, a website called Currency List for the average person to kind of watch the market without having to download apps. You can just 
say, hey, when does Bitcoin hit this price? Shoot me an email and Currency List does that for you. And we also oh, have a and, and Currency List is still uh, live, right? Yeah, it's still live. Um, okay, cool, cool. Uh, we're going to definitely link to that in the show notes. Yeah. Um, let's take a step back. So you, well, first off, like the um, crypto is not the only thing you do. You, you have some other cool things um, going yeah. on as well. Why don't you tell uh, the guest about that too? Yeah, one of my main focuses right now is taco tearing. It's just a, a u- unique approach at food culture and influencer culture. So right now we have two web series, one called Taco Tuesday, which we bring influencers from various backgrounds. It could be entertainment, sports, tech. And Wait, so is, is that who, who Taco Tuesday? Who's first? Is it East or LeBron? <laughs> came up with that. Well, we've we've had the trademark for Taco Tarian for some time based off first use since 2016. So you right. can't trademark Taco Tuesday, but we call ourselves Taco Tarians, and those are people that live by tacos, and that's what we are. And we've we've it. been using that since 2016. So I'm not sure when LeBron was running around with his Taco Tuesday uh campaign, but uh, we've we've been on it for some time, but uh, well, you heard it. I mean, I think yeah. I think East is being modest, but LeBron, if you're listening, <laughs> you know, you better you you gotta you, you know you gotta come talk you, to the real Tacotarians. Exactly, <laughs> it's exactly. Taco Tuesday every day over here. <laughs> okay, that's what's up. All right, so um, that's a cool platform. I'm looking at the IG right now. Um, you guys into tacos? I don't know who's not into tacos. So right, if, if you're yeah. a breathing if you're a breathing person, check out Tacotarians. Um, because um, yeah, I'm. Yeah. I'm looking at the pictures right now, and I actually probably after this gonna order something. Or Uber <laughs> hey, it's Taco Tuesday! It's a great day to do this podcast too, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, that's cool. That's cool. All right, so um, your currency list, Tacotarians. Um, yeah. You know, you're a multifaceted individuals. Anything else that you you you're working on right now that you wanted uh, to tell the guest about? A few other things in the building stage. Nothing to really talk about at the moment, but um, yeah, just follow me, and then you'll see everything else that I'm working on. All right, bet. All right, so we, we're definitely going to sh- uh, link to all of these in the show notes. Uh, but cool. Uh, so back to the your crypto story. Um, so you obviously you're you're sounds like you're a very curious technologist. You talk about AR, drones, VR, etc. Um, so you know, just kind of going through those rabbit holes, you came across crypto, and you were um, intrigued by it. That's similar to my story. And so you got into it through. Uh, not not bitcoin didn't kind of tip you over to kind of go in really in depth into it it was ethereum um so what what about ethereum was um attractive to you that made you kind of want to make that leap well aside from technology i felt like i missed the the initial bitcoin bubble so right. when i was put on ethereum it was more like hey this is going to be the next big thing in the space look into it um it's scalable there's going to be a lot built on it. And that's, this is all before the ICO bubble and around the time where people thought Bitcoin kind of reached a certain ceiling, they really didn't see that, oh, this is a finite resource and the potential for it to grow is, is, is greater than we're looking at now. And this is when the big financial institutions first started digging into it. But yeah, so it wasn't more on the technology side of things, even though a lot of the smart contracting stuff in ETH is pushing the market forward for all cryptos. Of course. But, but um, it's more on this speculative, hey, if you put this amount of money in this, in a few months, it may be this. So Yeah, yeah. Just- and it, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think um, 
one of the taglines that came out in 2017 was like, um, come for the money, stay for the technology. Right. So I think there's nothing wrong with um, getting into something from for speculative fashion. We all want to do better. Right. Um, and so, you know, we hear that. But then I think what allows people to kind of go through the ebbs and flows of the market, which it obviously has, we've seen from 2017 to 2018 and now, um, the ups and downs, what allows people to stay, stay committed is, you know, in the, the possibility for technology. So you kind of, uh, so I guess, so and we then have all the, type of, go ahead. Yeah, and then the technology kind of just, it's a reassurance that this isn't just snake oil. It's like this stuff can have some real world usage and you should pay attention to it. So yeah, it's speculative stuff, but just to tag off of what you're saying, like the technology just is like, hey, this is some real stuff and it's actually the future of what's going to happen moving forward. 100%. Now, we have all ranges of people that are listening um, to this podcast. Some people are are experts. Some people are, you know, in the middle. Some people are super beginners. I guess if, how would you, you, those were the first two cryptos that you got into, which were probably the the two cryptos that are most popular, even obviously even to this date. How what how would you tell a beginner like the differences between the two? Like um Bitcoin is more like gold in a sense that you purchase it, you hold on to it, whereas Ethereum is more like a vessel for technologies that navigate the crypto sphere i love it yeah, yeah exactly that's a that's perfect man i think um another way to put ethereum is it's almost like bitcoin bitcoin is is the asset it's more like money um mm-hmm. and then uh ethereum is more like a computer it's a platform right. um right. it's like a distributed computer uh right. so um and in and east kind of hinted at it he was like there were other platforms and icos that were built on it so you know for people that are new you probably it doesn't take you much to know if you you heard about crypto you probably heard of many different cryptos that are out there you probably heard of do, do, uh, doggy coin and yeah. ripple and all that kind of stuff ethereum is mainly the platform obviously there's there's a lot of other ones but like ethereum is the main platform that allows for other cryptos to be built on top of it it's like the it's like the base um and so it's um it's 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 what made the plat- it's made what's made the crypto market what it is now um so cool man well let's talk about this year right so a lot of people i think what happened was you know obviously i think uh similar to how we got into it, a lot of people um either curiosity or like just do speculation in 2017 they really got into the space um that thanksgiving in 2017 was crazy i think everybody had a conversation about crypto at their yeah. um, thanksgiving yeah. dinner table. <laughs> and then um you know 18 we crashed um and then like a lot of people just weren't really yeah, in, in it, it. like yeah. you know you and i you know east had, you know east has a, a community um and like you know i honestly you know the activity just kind of went down a bit right. um east and then was super yeah the elephant in the room is a lot of people lost a lot of money during that right because it's like they bought in at the top of the bubble or let's not call it a bubble the top of the cycle you know and so not understanding how it works they're like fear and let me let me leave out and after that they're like i got burnt so bad so i don't know if i should get back into it or if it's just something that i just got to chalk right right 100 percent. and i think a lot of people decided to chalk it 
Um, yeah. And like, you know, obviously attention is limited and finite. So, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, they focus on other things, particularly for things that probably are allowing them to make a living or make money or things that they have a little bit more positivity towards. Um, and like, you know, you're 18, 2018 uh, was a little bit down. 2019 was kind of quiet. And then right. this year happened, right? Obviously, right. this is on the backdrop of like a global pandemic. Um, this is a backdrop of a, like, you know, a, a basically a technology cold war between U.S. and China. Like there is a lot going on this year, right? Yeah, this is crazy, right? And in, then- my, in my view, Bitcoin was created for this. Like when, the, when Satoshi and the white people was created in 08, it was after the, you know, American financial crisis, but like it was all around distrust. Then you kind of think the whole gold metaphor where gold is almost like that flight to quality. So when everything goes down, you could trust gold. Um, and like, this is the year for Bitcoin to kind of Show be proof. that thing, right? Um, and like, I'll be honest with you, if you look about, you know, we're recording this in August, so we're about eight, eight out of 12 months in, so, you know, almost three-fourths of the year um, out. So um, we, Bitcoin, it had a moment a little earlier this year. There's a Bitcoin halving um, that people were anticipating and pretty bullish about. But then, like, when this whole COVID thing happened, I found, like, Bitcoin was super correlated with the reg- every other asset. Right. Um, yeah. But now it seems like this summer seems to be a little bit more run. So I guess what, what, are your, what are your thoughts around Bitcoin and crypto in general this year and, like, how it ties with, with everything's going on macroeconomically? Well, if you look at the charts... And primarily outside of like demand and supply, um, when you look at the charts, you see that everything is in a cycle and it, it was coming to that cycle. It's like at the end of the bear run, it's time for a bull run. And it just seems like so many things lined up, like you mentioned, like the pandemic, it's Cold War, and it was almost at a tipping point. And then there was a small crash in March. I don't remember, I don't know if you remember that. And I do remember seemed, that. And it seemed that the uh, stock market also crashed too at the beginning of the um, pandemic. And then everybody kind of rushed to Robinhood, rushed to crypto. And then a lot of people got their stimulus checks. And it just seems like that just helped drive this new wave in this bull market that we're seeing right now. And I think that played a lot to do with it. And I think that outside of that, there was a moment, I think China had banned crypto and they kind of of opened it back up and that kind of helped fuel the bull run too. So yeah, it's I mean, just China, China's always banned right. crypto. They've tried right, to ban right. it. The only thing that's more common in China banning crypto is people saying um, Bitcoin is not dead. Like <laughs> that's it. That's the only yeah. thing that happens more often. Um, so, and then obviously China has their own thing, right? So right now, we're, we're, as we're recording this, you know, there's a little fight between Trump and China and the U.S. around the control of TikTok, right. uh, which is a social media app that's been blowing up. But then like. China has its own issue with Hong Kong, which is part of China, but not really part of China. And like, you know, there's a, there's a lot going on. Um, and so, yeah, and on that backdrop, you know, they, they ban crypto, um, which is something they always do. And there's usually a little bit of an action that happens behind that. Because Asia actually is probably the biggest crypto market, um, yeah. largest driver. When they say... Um... The majority of Bitcoin is owned by who? It's usually 90%, they say, goes towards uh, China, at least from the first run in 2017. 
So, right, I mean, right. that's just something to consider when you see the price go down when it's banned and then it shoots up once they open it back up. Right. And, and, and then, I mean, mm-hmm. if you really get into it too, from a chart Oracle standpoint, you can look at the wave theory of price movements and it's like, there's a, there's tools that say, okay, if I look at the Fibonacci sequence, this is the target that Bitcoin should hit. We don't know how long it'll take to get there, but if these certain price actions happen, within a couple of months or a year plus, you can expect Bitcoin to hit these price targets. And there's people that live by that and they'll, they'll look at the Fibonacci sequence and say, oh, 15K Bitcoin is definitely going to happen in this, in this current bull run. But yeah, there's, like you said, there's multiple factors and the pandemic definitely played a big role in driving the price down to the point where it was attractive for people to jump back in. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And then, um, so that's Bitcoin, obviously. And then there's, there's um, this, you know, the other platform that is obviously huge that we just talked about was Ethereum. And there's been a lot of action there as well, right? So Ethereum is starting to hit, you know, I think it's in 2017, it almost hit a thousand. So we we're kind of a long ways away from that. Right. But compared to where it's been, um, it, it's, it's pretty strong performance. So as we recorded, it, it's at, um, you know, $381. Right. Um, it was flirting at 400 Um, last week. May have touched it or passed it, but yeah, I don't see why it wouldn't be able to hit all-time highs if this bull run continues. But then you have to look at um the U.S. economy, where we'll be in the next couple months if we get an, another lockdown or, yeah, it's just interesting times all around when you look at everything that's going on. 100%. So what do you, I mean, so when I look at the market and, and kind of, um, Twitter and Reddit and, and kind of all the platforms, all the communities that I'm part of that talk about crypto, everything that around ETH, there's two things. There's ETH 2.0 and then there's this thing called DeFi. Um, right. Like what, I guess, do you think, do you think both of them have like an equal impact or is there one that is probably more important than the other? And then like we, we have to break, go, we have to break down, like kind of do a, like a short definition of each one for people that are, you know, not as deep into the space as we are. Right. Um, so, I mean, when we talk about DeFi, we're talking about decentralized finance. So you have like lending platforms and wallets and interfaces and then like infrastructure. So majority of these are built on top of Ethereum because of the smart contracting, but they do provide different use cases that outside of real world situations kind of offset the middleman per se. Like you don't exactly. need a bank because you have a DeFi lending platform that you can borrow money from directly. Yeah, exactly. So um, that's, that's, that's a great intro. I would add to that, like when you look at Bitcoin, um, I, you know, at a simple level, Bitcoin is very simple, whereas Ethereum has complexities and it even goes to the financial part of it. So mm-hmm. like Bitcoin, you basically are your own, you have your own asset, you have your own money. It's not really much you could do. Only only thing you could do is send money to somebody else for the most part. And that is the extent of your banking relationship. So if you look at your banking relationship, um, it would be like just only the cash app, Venmo, Zelle part, where I could send money from right. one person to another. And then I I can do that without a middleman. Uh, so I bank Bank of America. For those listening, don't don't hack me and don't hack Bank of America. I probably shouldn't have said that. But I, I, I bank up Bank of America and one part of my relationship there is like my money and I can send it to somebody else using 
you know, Zelle, Cash App, or whatever. So that's Bitcoin. But then there's another part of our relationship where I could like earn interest. Mm -hmm. I can get a loan. I can do um, a whole bunch of other complex things. And so this DeFi could kind of do the other part of banking. Um, So like you have platforms that, you know, that you earn interest from like, you know, putting your coin up to, you know, you can, uh, you know, you can do things like derivatives, which is like options and things of that sort. So it's real, it's real complex. Um, Mm -hmm. But like, yeah, yeah. So like, it's kind of like the other part of a banking relationship that's, that's way more complex than just sending money between individuals point or a, point between B, entities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Um, and like with that, there's a lot of coins and platforms that are um, part of like the whole DeFi movement. Um, and they have different use cases and stuff like that. Um, you know, there's a few like Compound and then there's Link, which we just um, did an episode on as well. Mm-hmm. So like, I guess, I don't, what, what are your thoughts on all those projects? Like, are you, are you looking at any of them? Like, are they interesting? Uh, um, I personally hold uh, KNC Kyber. Um, I think it has potential to at least five times, just based off of what they're doing with the swapping, and um, everyone's paying attention to Link, just because they're they're connecting real world with smart contracts on on the blockchain. So like credit cards and things like that, and using APIs for like a Visa card will be possible using Link. So that's definitely something you should have on your radar. But there's just so 100%. many. You have Augur, which is like the prediction market, which has been around since ETH almost um, started getting popular. And then, yeah, there's just so much to look into. And then you have, I think, is it AV, which is the open source um, protocol for interest and deposits and borrowing and stuff like that. There's just so much. But um, from a speculative yeah. standpoint... Usually when these projects hit main ex- popular exchanges is when you start seeing like, oh, I should throw some money in this. Right. Or, and the popular yeah. exchanges for people listening. I mean, so, you know, we, we're both uh, East and I are in the U.S. So, you know, U.S. Cent- U- US exchanges that are popular obviously are uh, Coinbase and yeah. then Binance um, and, you know, to a lesser extent, Qcoin and stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah. so... The way it works in crypto is that it's almost like this ladder. So like a new a new project coin, yeah. a new project coin would just be on a very obscure exchange. Right. Uh, many of many of which are a little bit dangerous because they're the more the ones that are yeah. likely to get hacked. And then um, you have so a careful. lot of the um projects built on Ethereum. They'll they'll go to the decentralized exchanges where you'll be able to get peer to peer. Yeah. Exactly. Then, so the decentralized exchanges is a, is a whole other topic. Right. I do not recommend it for somebody that's new to the space because there's no. a lot. There's a lot you have to learn. There's a moving. There's um, a lot of moving parts. You have to start attaching your wallet, and yeah, it's it's if you if you make a mistake on a decentralized exchange, you can find yourself losing your money. Yeah. So a high level on a you know, macro issue with crypto is like yeah, it's so cool to like not have a middleman. Right. But, but guess it's what? Permanent. Like, if <laughs> somebody if somebody going back to Bank of America again, don't hack me, guys. Um, but Bank of America, but even if you did, God, you know, God forbid you guys, somebody hacks me, I can call somebody and like complain. I got customer service. I can right. go to a branch, right? With the crypto, you don't have that. So you lose your key, you do something wrong, you send something to the wrong address, like you're done out here, right? So, right. you know, it's something that, you know, with 
I guess what was which with with uh I don't know how to say it is with like much with much is given much responsibility uh, anyway with, yeah. with more more hundred percent yeah yeah so you you kind of have to climb that learning curve so you have um, you have more control over your money but no no one's accountable for your money exactly right exactly okay. right <laughs> um so well let's go back to the to the high level higher level point though so we talked about DeFi that's one big thing then there's ETH two point do you think um you think the the DeFi is a, uh, DeFi is a driver for Ethereum's movement? Do you think it's also E two point on the way? Um, and well, we can kind of get into that too. I think they've always been trying to figure out the best way to scale ETH, and the boom of DeFi has kind of pushed them to like, all right, these use cases are popping up, and the platform isn't improving. So they're like, all right, let's introduce sharding so that the network's faster let's look at this proof of stake model so that we're not using all these computers to to drive the network and i think it's just the combination of all these things that's like got the team all right let's let's hammer down and get e 2.0 out and i think there's a lot of potential for it especially with the speed of the network and the cost to transfer um, ETH throughout the network yeah, exactly. So on a, on a basic level, Ethereum is a very pow- powerful platform um, that many people have chosen to, to use. Um, but what happened was because so many projects use it, it's it's gotten really slow. Um, and the 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 speed is uh, in focus with when it comes to like how long a transaction takes to be confirmed. Um, so like for people that are new, like let's say you send money to. So- somebody using paypal you know that person probably gets that email near instantly or venmo right. imagine so if like in comparison to like a decentralized venmo, network it's yeah. like paypal would just say oh yeah this person's a paypal customer this person's a paypal customer so let's make sure that this transaction goes through when you're looking at the centralized network it's like everyone on the network has to confirm that these two people should be sending money and then through that confirmation is where the speed is kind of lagging because the network is just so slow with so much going on. It, I mean, that's just a, a macro level. It, it doesn't require the whole network to confirm it, but that's basically why it's slower than your PayPal. Exactly right. And what's interesting is that it's Ethereum by itself would have that issue, but now you have other platforms that every time they have a transaction, it's almost like Ethereum has a transaction too. So you almost have like this right. double, it's, yeah, yeah. Um, That's a great you know, almost infinite issue. Um, so yeah, so the short the short thing is ETH 2.0 is supposed to speed this up and make ETH even more powerful, um, more expedient. Um, and so that's something that, you know, is, is coming out this year. So people are also um, bullish about that. And then obviously the macro thing around like crypto being a, a something, a, you know, Add to your portfolio, and ETH is just number two when it comes to uh, after Bitcoin when it comes to these cryptos. So I think a lot of that is just a lot. Of, a lot of the movement has nothing to do with those two things that we mentioned. Um, but you know, it, it, either way, it's pretty interesting. So like, I guess, what do you what are you thinking? Like I said, you know, we're all we recording this in August. You know, there uh, there's about a third of the year left. So like, what do you what do you what do you think? Like, I, honestly, I mean, on the macro level, this year has been so crazy. Mm-hmm. That you know, 
I almost have I almost can't give any like predict you told me like I'll be stuck in my house with my family, not seeing, <laughs> you know, for all time, you know, George Floyd, you name it. So like right. I know it's hard to kind of give predictions or whatever, but like the best you can, what do you like what's your thoughts for the rest of this year when it comes to crypto? So I knew this current bull run was gonna happen before mainstream media picked it up just by reading the charts, just by knowing resistance and support and volume and Fibonacci sequences. Wait, wait, let's pause, let's pause on that. Cause I think you mentioned the charts a few times. You mentioned Fibonacci. Yeah, yeah. We don't, we don't have to get too in depth there, but like, it sounds like you really, you're, you're more of a technician. So you use technical analysis um, to yeah. analyze crypto is like what, what, um, what, what made, why is crypto a good market for you to use technical analysis? And you know, what are some of the high level things that you look at um, in technical analysis if people wanted to kind of learn more? Yeah, I mean, the basics of it is it's it's greed and fear, and there's certain indicators that you can look at that'll say, oh, it's gearing up for people to start throwing money into it based off of volume and the resistance and support levels of a certain coin. So at the early point of this run, like, the indicators are there. I mean, without getting too detailed into specific indicators, the charts look good. Um, you could tell that Bitcoin was gearing up for another run and it was going to bring the alts. Uh, on, a, on a basic level, where yeah. what, what platform are you using to look at these charts? Is it TradingView? Or yeah, TradingView is, trading is a, the, if you want to get into details, I usually recommend TradingView. Most exchanges use TradingView as well. Um, but if you just want to, Look at regular price movements. Coin market cap is is easy enough and um, straightforward enough. It'll give you a good overview of the coin itself. It'll give you what exchanges it's on, and it'll tell you what the project is about. So yeah, I generally just recommend Coin Market Cap for anybody that's new. But if you really want to get into technical analysis, TradingView is definitely um, the standard, the industry standard, I would say, or even for the regular stock market. No, I love it. I love it. All right, so so you, you look at the charts. Um, and you know, you kind of use, um, the few technologies, um, you support a resistance. Are you looking like things like RSI and MACD and all that stuff? You can tell if it's something's overbought. Um, the MACD will let you know if it's, uh, moving from a a bullish pattern to a bearish pattern, vice versa. Okay. And how'd you, um, you know, you're, 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 you're a technologist that got into crypto. Um, but like, how'd you, how'd you learn technical analysis or was it just kind of practice and Googling? Like, how'd you yeah, uh, go this route? So many years ago, I, I was usually, um, I was interested in penny stocks. So I, okay. I learned a lot of the fundamentals from dealing with that. But then once crypto started gaining popularity, I took a few courses just so I could understand just to stay relevant. And then I've just been using it and it's, it's been working out. And um, I recommend for anyone that's going to invest into something just to have a, a basic knowledge of charting, just so you know, you're not just throwing your, your money into like a gamble. You just, there's so much that you could see by having a basic fundamental understanding of charts that w- would stop you from throwing your money into something that's like going to fall within the next week or going to fall within the next few hours. And- no, I love it. I love it. I think it's something that a big thing about trading is not to being emotional right and charts are um well charts is collective emotion that's what markets are but at least it's not you 
it's not your emotions, right? It's more like it's it's almost like a check on your emotions, right? Um, because you could look at the collective movement and the trends and the patterns, and do and make decisions from a data driven standpoint. Because um, unfortunately, crypto, unlike some of the other asset classes like maybe forex, which has economic data, you know, stocks that have earnings data, you don't have as much as much fundamentals um, yeah. to go by. Um, just because these are like you know these are a lot of these projects are like in the research, I call them the academic phase. Like they're still trying to figure it out, still trying to find applications. So, um, yeah, no, super, super interesting, man. Listen, um, listeners, this is this has been great. And I think, you know, East and I could probably go for another hour. But East is a very busy man, as you could, um, as we, you know, hinted at earlier in this episode. So I want to be respectful of his time. Um, you know, if we're lucky enough, we may bring them back uh, to the podcast to kind of dig deeper. But, you know, where should people, if people want to keep in contact with you, follow what you got going on? Um, you know, we mentioned Taco Tarion. Is there any other platforms that, you know, they should follow on social or anything like that? Um, oh, yeah. You know, like you the currency it. list as well. Is yep. there anything else? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter, um, East, not East. And okay. it's, it's both for Twitter and Instagram. So. Set me up. Send me a DM. Let me know you're interested in crypto. I can point you to some resources. Um, yeah. I love it. Love it. All right. Well, appreciate your time. And, and this is awesome. Yeah. All thanks right. for having me. All right.